This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. We have uh, Pat Rangazzo, who covers the Mets for SI, and he's nice to give us a couple of minutes uh, this afternoon as uh, spring training rolls on and the Mets are are center stage. Not the reasons that they want, Pat, but thanks for uh, popping on with us this afternoon. Of course. Thanks so much for having me today. Uh, so, uh, obviously, the, the big stories this week, uh, DeGrom now on the shelf. My, I guess my question there is, Pat, with the, the, the injury that they say now is about the scapula and the inflammation that has come off of that. Is that a new injury that has come up from him throwing in spring, or has that been there the entire time? From my understanding, it, it's a new injury. The Mets were not aware of this issue until Thursday morning when DeGrom was finishing up his normal throwing routine. And on his last couple throws of long toss, he felt a bit of tightness, and that's when he went into the office and, and informed uh, Buck Walter and, and, and Billy Epler. And uh, from there, they set up preliminary MRI and imaging tests for Friday morning, and that's where it was first discovered of the stress reaction uh, on the right scapula so the Mets were pretty surprised by this and Max Scherzer said this morning as well that the Grom had initially told him that he, he believed the injury to be was going to be minor and uh, it just wasn't the case and now it's just a major blow to the Mets who don't know when they'll have their ace back uh, this season has the sense of the team been as demoralized as it seems like the fan base is I wouldn't say that. I mean, the, the clubhouse was pretty even keel yesterday. They were heading out for the uh, for a road matchup with the um, with the Cardinals in Jupiter. Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, a lot of this team was here last year. Uh, they brought in some veteran presences in the clubhouse, and uh, they understand that they're going to have to go through uh, bouts of adversity. And, um, you know, obviously losing your ace, uh, you know, is, is really tough for any team, especially when it's Jacob deGrom. But uh, right now, uh, the Mets seem to be pretty composed by the situation. We're talking with Pat Rangazzo, who covers the Mets for, for SI. Uh, there's been some talk of, of possibly looking to add at this date. Obviously, you can't replace who Jacob deGrom is, but just to get some more maybe depth within that rotation with the uncertainty following deGrom, how, um, where would you put the odds of the Mets making a deal here before opening day? Um, I would say the odds are probably lower than they were about 20 minutes ago or so because the Mets were deep in talks with the Padres about potentially sending Dom Smith uh, to San Diego in exchange for Chris Paddock, who would have been the centerpiece of the deal that also would have brought them Eric Hosmer and Emilio Pagan, plus, uh, I believe, $30 million in cash. Um, and and to this up until this point, actually, right before uh, just a couple of minutes ago, the deal fell through uh, as Mets decided not to take on uh, about twenty four million dollars of Eric Hosmer's contract. So at the moment, they're, they've expressed confidence in the depth that they have, while also looking around to potentially see if they could add to the rotation, um, especially since Max Scherzer's status for opening day is now up in the air with that hamstring tweak. Uh, but right now, I'd say the odds are, are a bit lower at the moment because they do have guys like Tyler McGill, David Peterson, and Trevor, Trevor Williams who are options to potentially step in and uh, you know replace DeGrom as the number five starter. I mean, McGill was very impressive. I, I know it was kind of the, a little bit of the afterthought of the season with the way it went last year, but the, the times that he did pitch coming from – it didn't seem like I had, I had ever heard his name before within the organization. Then all of a sudden, he kind of burst on the scene last year. Um, it seems like he's a guy that could really benefit from the, the loss and having that opportunity now. 
Yeah, and I think that's uh, that's what the Mets kind of envisioned. Um, they're very much high on Miguel, who added a cutter this year to help him against left-handers. In the past, his changeup was his number one pitch that he would play off his four-seam fastball uh, in order to, uh, you know, run inside on left-handers. And and at times, his changeup struggled down the stretch of last season. Now, uh, there's a lot of uh, belief that it was his innings, uh, career-high innings, that were shattered a season ago that kind of saw the the rookie at the time uh, hit hit a wall down the stretch of the season. Uh, But this year, they're they're very much impressed with him. He's kind of been turning heads at camp and – he was making a push to at least be the number six starter on that depth chart and be the guy who steps in uh, if and when somebody went down with an injury. So right now he's one of the three names being considered, but he's made a strong case for himself during camp. Pat, I always forget which DEFCON is the highest DEFCON, but let's say it's DEFCON 1. If the if the DeGrom situation is DEFCON 1, where is the Max Scherzer DEFCON? Um, if DeGrom is DEFCON 1, I, I would say Scherzer uh, – maybe Descon four or five right okay. now. I mean, uh, he mentioned this morning that he's had these hamstring hiccups in the past and it's just something that maybe could resolve itself in a couple of days. And he was pretty hopeful, but he wouldn't commit to being able to make his opening day start in place of DeGrom on Thursday, which is coming up uh, real soon, just because sometimes these hamstring injuries could be unpredictable. But as far as the long-term concerns of the injury, I wouldn't say that there's much, uh, you know, concern there at the moment. So um, as when you're comparing it to DeGrom, I mean, it's, it's kind of uncomparable right now. It's just, uh, you know, the timing couldn't have been more for uh, for the Mets to potentially lose both the races at the same time. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, hamstring's not going to be, you know, something, it seems like, I don't even really know, I mean, they come up with the, what the diagnosis is, but it seems like it's always kind of something after last year with DeGrom, and obviously a hamstring is not going to be to that degree. But, you know, 37-year-old guy, all the money that they spent this offseason on him and, and a guy that was not healthy for, for last year's playoffs, it just kind of jumps out at you when you're getting to the start of the season and, and it looks like I'd be kind of surprised if he was there for opening day just kind of playing it safe. But uh, it just kind of jumps out at you when you know one thing happens and then the other one comes right behind it. Right. Well, as of a week ago, we were talking about um, – you know, all the great things that the Mets rotation could potentially do. And MLB.com had them ranked as the top rotation in baseball. And um, a lot of their success this year relies on DeGrom and Scherzer staying healthy and making 60-plus starts, which, um, you know, obviously doesn't seem like that's a possibility at the moment if DeGrom, uh, you know, returns in June. But at the same time, um, you know, there was always an injury risk around this duo who uh, Max Scherzer will be 38 in July. And he dealt with a dead arm in the playoffs last season uh, in, in October. And DeGrom, of course, did not pitch beyond July 7th last season. So he obviously was an injury risk coming into the season as well. So I think it's more so just the fears are kind of being played out at the moment. But, um, you know, on a positive note for the Mets and for Scherzer is that Scherzer's situation doesn't seem to be severe at the moment. All right, so we're talking uh, about the Mets and, and all these big stories. The one guy who's kind of floated under the radar, who was a major focus last year, of course, is Francisco Lindor. What kind of spring is he having? Does he seem more comfortable in year two with the Mets? Well, he definitely says that, uh, as far as Francisco Lindor is concerned, he, he referenced the fact that last year um, life was moving very fast for him. Um, and he didn't exactly get off to the start he wanted, and, and he cited consistency as something he needs to, uh, you know, do more of this year. 
uh, from an offensive standpoint. I mean, on, on the defensive side, he's one of the best uh, fielding shortstops in the game of baseball. But uh, Lindor, you know, admitted that he was, uh, you know, he feels a bit more comfortable this year. Now he's entering year two, um, you know, with the Mets. And, and the first year of that uh, massive 10-year contract he signed uh, on the eve of the regular season last year, which kicked in in 2022. Um, so he's actually, he, he's also a pretty good start in spring. Um, but at the same time, Lindor and others have all said that they aren't reading too much into, uh, you know, numbers in spring because um, even going back, dating back to last year with uh, heading into Lindor's first season with the Mets, he, he also had a very hot spring where he batted above 400. And then of course he got off to a slow start in the first two months of the season. So it is promising to see his, his power early on in camp. Uh, he's, he's slugged four home runs and driven in 10 runs batted in uh, up until this point as we wind down here. But um, again, he's, he's just kind of hoping that uh, he is able to translate it into the, into the regular season this year, as, as opposed to last season where he was off to a, a very slow start. Another guy who's kind of just kind of floated under the radar is Robinson Cano. What kind of role do the, the Mets envision him having on this team? I think the Mets envision him handling the majority of the at-bats at DH, but at the same time, they do uh, believe in his ability to still play defense every now and again. Um, of course, he's going to serve as the backup second baseman to Jeff McNeil, and the Mets had him actually playing first base the other night um, in a Grapefruit League game, and, and he, he held his own at the position and, and even made an impressive slap tag uh, during an inning. So um, I think the Mets kind of are focusing on, at least from the position player side, uh, having as much versatility as possible. And um, obviously there's a number of players who could factor in as DH, whether it be Dom Smith, uh, as he remains a Met at the moment, now that the uh, trade fell through from earlier today. Um, J.D. Davis could also factor in, Pete Alonzo, um, and then you have Cano. So I think there's, it's going to be, um, you know, there's going to be distributed a fair amount of at-bats to Cano and then also a couple other bats who the Mets will be looking to get into the lineup on a semi-regular basis, at least. We're talking with Pat Ragazzo, who covers the Mets for SI. Um, this, this spring seemed like it was kind of uh, – every day it was, it was bouquets of roses for, for Buck Showalter, and then all of a sudden you, know, you get all the news this week, um, and, and now the reality is kind of hit. What kind of impact has Buck already – has he had an impact clearly already on the team? What impact do you think that he'll have uh, this season – back in the manager's chair and with this team? Just his leadership, I would say, and overall experience. Um, when he entered the clubhouse this offseason, I mean, um, a number of the players due to the lockout did not get to meet their new manager until spring training began um, a couple weeks ago. So um, they're off to a really good start. Uh, you know, Obviously, Buck comes with 20 years of experience around the game. He's highly respected around the game of baseball. And uh, the players seem to really uh, be enjoying, they really seem to be enjoying his presence, uh, you know, so far. And uh, just his ability as an instructor and as a teacher, I think, has helped uh, a team now that has a, a pretty good mix of between veterans and, and also has some very young players as well. So um, even seeing Buck Showalter address the team before a spring training game at the beginning of Grapefruit League action uh, is something that um, I would say that this clubhouse is not used to, this, this team is not used to, and you don't really see it around uh, Major League Baseball. You, you don't really see the managers address the team like that, especially during spring training. So I think he'll have a positive impact. Um, and, and as you mentioned, it's an interesting point. Um, things were a little bit quiet, and especially at the beginning of this week compared to the last couple of days. Um, you know, the news was quiet around the Mets, and, uh, you know, but they were fully expecting 
uh, you know, that not everything was going to be perfect throughout the season. And uh, they're obviously seeing the effects of that, uh, you know, at the moment. So they're kind of just prepared for anything. And uh, it definitely helps to have a more experienced skipper, such as Buck Walter at the helm. I got to be honest. It's still weird seeing him in a Met uniform. I know you're significantly younger than I am, but it, it's still it's not it's not. I'm not getting used to it yet, Pat. I got to be honest. Yeah, I think he's he's uh, he's getting used to it pretty quickly. Um, Adam Adovino, it's funny, uh, mentioned on a broadcast the other night during the Great Fruit League game that uh, his father, who uh, was a Yankee, is a Yankees fan. Um, his favorite manager was Buck Showalter, and uh, Buck joked afterwards in the post game about how uh, how they'll forgive Adam Adovino's dad for being a Yankees fan. So uh, Buck's really uh, fully embracing the uh, Mets orange and blue, and uh, you know he's he's I think really much very much excited to get back in the dugout because it has been a, a couple of years um, you know since he managed a, a ball club. So um, yeah, again, I, I it, although it's weird for a lot of people, and I'm sure especially Yankees fans to see him in a Mets uniform, he's uh, he's taken to a pretty pretty uh, quickly and smoothly, I would say. Pat, thanks for a few minutes, and uh, hopefully the next couple of weeks are not as, as groundbreaking as these last two have been, but uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Sounds great. Thanks so much for having me. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.